Okay. Um, are we going to do, do we need to talk about anything? Do we need to do any prep before we launch into this motherfucker? Well, we just need to make sure we have the rules taken care of in terms of what we're going to bitch about, and then after that, we need to like you know, like actually start like making our game, and like do do like do like some pitches of like ideas we have, and then yeah. after that, you know, we'll actually make it and talk about it next time. <coughs> okay, are we ready to go here? Oh yeah. Three, two, one. Recording? Yeah, recording. This is Mom's Basement Podcast, episode 62. The person you'd take a bullet for is behind the trigger edition. Where we ask. Where we answer. There we go. The most important question ever. Where the hell were we these last five months? Pushing six now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where the hell were we? I mean, honestly, I don't even know. I have sex and tell lies. Is that what we were doing? Yeah. I honestly don't have that many memories from the last six months. Just kind of a vacant, empty hole in my life. Like, like most of the rest of it, really. Aww. Okay. So, um, a lot has happened in the past six months in the indie RPG community. (laughs) (laughs) I am... (laughs) Uh, Oh, it's good to laugh. Honestly, though, I have no idea what's happened in the last six months because I've visited story games, like, once in all that time, and that was just to prep for this episode. Actually, no, I'm lying. It was to see if anyone had talked about my games. They hadn't. We got mentioned once in one thread. Oh, uh, really? They say about it. it. Was it positive things? It was positive. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was one positive mention in six months. But yeah, we did kind of fall off the radar there. Um... Do we want to talk about that? So uh, it's obvious that we're not going to be able to manage any kind of chit-chat at the top of the show. Obviously, all our time apart has um, made it impossible for us to communicate with each other. So why don't we just get down to it? Game Chef. Game Chef. Game Chef. So we are going to talk about Game Chef uh, 2013 this time around. This Isn't it amazing that the one thing that always brings us back from hiatus is one of these fucking contests? Well, <laughs> the rage alone is usually what brings everyone back. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, apparently it's been a year since Game Chef 2012. I didn't know that, in spite of the fact that it was 2012 then and it's 2013 now. It seems like seems like it couldn't possibly have been a year. Um, and in fact, maybe it hasn't. Maybe they're just moving one game, moving each game chef closer to the one before it. Uh, I feel like the last probably time... Not. <laughs> probably not. Hey. Wait, wait. I'm going to find out because we recorded one about the previous game chef. Uh, 
Oh yeah, I'm into April now. Yeah, it was April. You are trying actually... so hard. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just fucking talk. <laughs> it's actually been a year and a month since the last game, Chef. Yeah. Fuck me. I don't know how to have a conversation anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll go ahead and give this a shot. Um, yeah, uh, we're here for Game Chef 2013, bros. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the weird. And um, basically give, you know, an explanation what's going on and how we feel about it. And then we're going to try and make a game, bro. Make a yeah. game. So, yeah, let's go ahead and start here. Um, 2013 <coughs> okay. theme. I'm just used to Will, Will talking all the time, so it's going to be a little difficult. But since, you know... He's lost the ability to communicate with the... Uh... Dude, I'm like one of those fucking monks who go up and live in the mountains for like six years, and then they come down, and they just can't speak anymore. They've lost the ability to, com- to communicate with other human beings. I don't even know if that happens. I may have just made that up now, but <laughs> ever. <laughs> it's like muscular atrophy, except like verbal atrophy. Yeah. First, if I was really suffering from verbal atrophy, I probably wouldn't have been able to coin the term verbal atrophy right then. But still, still, it's a real condition, and I'm suffering from it. All right, so this year's theme is special from the previous themes. Yeah, it's a picture. Yeah. And it's a picture of an up-and-down arrow, you know, connected together. Or it could be a house. Or it could be a dreidel. It could um, be a lot of things. You know? <laughs> yeah. And not, and that and that's what's intriguing about Game Chef this year, right? Is if it, and I don't even know if we can describe these pictures in an effective way. If you're listening to this podcast and for some reason you haven't looked at the Game Chef website, although I imagine that each of our three listeners have already, I recommend that you do that and actually look at the pictures themselves get a sense of what the theme is and what the ingredients are. <coughs> Excuse me. But that's the major gimmick this year, right? Is that instead of having one ridiculously broad theme and a bunch of ridiculously broad ingredients, you have one ridiculously abstract image with a bunch of ingredients that are also ridiculously abstract images that can be interpreted any number of different ways. So that's the fun this time. Yeah. But I guess part of the appeal of Game Chef has always been that it can, that the terms and themes can be used to generate a host of different games, I guess. Although I personally wouldn't mind someday seeing a more focused Game Chef. And I guess that was one, I mean, that was the benefit or the, um, I guess that was either to the benefit or to the detriment of the time they did the Shakespeare theme game chef. That they had a very distinct, a very concrete theme. Right. But it couldn't be less concrete than this year's picture, which, as Alex said, is what looks like the silhouette of a man um, surrounded by an arrow pointing up and down. Yeah. Yeah, and um, let's see here. You have uh, like you have four pictures, and mm-hmm. uh, on the website gamechef.wordpress.com, 
you can find descriptions of what the pictures are supposed to be, but I recommend you don't look at any of the descriptions because (laughs) to let your mind flutter uh, in the vast, you know, landscape of your imagination. I'm glad, sorry, just a second, I'm glad you brought that up, Alex, actually, because I, I understand why the captions are there. They're there in the name of accessibility, which, of course, has become a huge part of Game Chef since Jill McDolno took over. Fuck! Great, great. Yeah, but anyway, I, I guess I can understand wanting to have the captions there. So if someone's blind and feeding this into a text-aloud program, they'll know what the pictures are. They'll know what the ingredients are. But the captions, in my mind, really undermine the purpose of this Game Chef which is the fact that these pictures can be interpreted in a broad range of ways, in the fact that they are rather abstract, although they are depicting a few clearly recognizable things, like the apple in one of the pictures and the shirt in the other. But it's the fact that the pictures are open to interpretation and open to interpretation beyond, you know, what's sketched out in words below the pictures that I think is really a big part of the appeal of this game, Chef. That it's almost like a Rorschach test, really. And yeah. I think being able to look down and read something that says, the picture is this, kind of really does undermine that. See, that, that's what I thought immediately, too, when looking at the, the site and had it laid out. I thought, man, if, if they hadn't said anything about what the pictures were, basically there would be it would just be chaos. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It, and it would be awesome chaos. Though. And then followed by, you know, the text of the game has to be submitted in an, an accessible format, which yeah, that, is going yeah. to be the only thing that cripples people because they'll have no idea what it really actually means <laughs> to be accessible. Well, don't go into detail about what is an accessible format. And you know... I don't think the accessibility thing would have really bothered me at all if it wasn't foregrounded in the guidelines right under the one of the most important points, which is the number of words, you know, which is the word limit for the game. And if I didn't know who was responsible for Game Chef, <laughs> if it was just like, oh, hey, also, you know, recognize that. Some people might be blind or might have other, um, other you know, impairments or disabilities that make, might make it difficult for them to see a poorly formatted fucking PDF. I would have said, yeah, you know what? There are too many poorly formatted PDFs, and it must suck to be partially blind and to be trying to look at some kind of eye bleed um, shit with the really, you know, with fucking polka dots background. But that, but knowing that it's coming from Jill McDonough and knowing the ideological place that it's coming from, knowing the, uh, having read all of his posts, well, thank God I haven't had to read all of his posts since starting the game, but having read enough of his posts, and I don't know. <laughs> 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 what Entire hell's angels outside my window. Jesus. Um, 
wow. <laughs> so that's what must be what it was like for the Rolling Stones to have to record half the time. Uh, okay, anyway. <laughs> Especially in that concert where they hired the Hells Angels and they beat that black guy to death. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? Uh, something so, about Joe McDonald. Oh, right. I, I don't... Which is that he, knowing what I know, uh, the accessibility, the accessible format provision seems ideological as opposed to be simply being practical. And that kind of irked me a little bit. And it seems, it seems like you have two major components here that are in direct conflict with each other. Or two, uh, let's say two, ideological like positions or two um two theologies even <laughs> in conflict with each other in, in that very clearly in this game chef one is the desire to be as avant-garde as possible to be as gimmicky and out there as possible thus the pictures and the other is the desire to be as accessible as possible, to be as safe as possible, to be as politically politically correct and inoffensive as possible. And I think the end result of that is pictures with awkward captions under them. Anyway, um, I kind of thought that you guys would pile on there instead of leaving me to twist in the wind. <laughs> it looked like I'm alone. <laughs> no, I just look like a... I don't know. I'm bashing for Joe McDonald now. Uh, I see what you mean, though, because it's, I mean, a game chef this open, like mm -hmm. you said, pictures. Yeah. Um, to actually, I don't know, to come back and say, well, maybe you should make your games more accessible. I mean, whether that's accessible um, in terms of, it's not in terms of gameplay, but that's what you know, it seems like it's kind of in conflict with the picture. Well, he's not only saying maybe you should make your games more accessible, but he's saying follow these rather rigid formatting rules about right. how to make your games but, accessible. So at one hand, you have that desire to be as free and open as possible in terms of ideas, and also in some ways to be as like inventive and even gimmicky as possible right, by incorporating right. pictures into the pitch of Game Chef itself. But on the other hand, it's like, but in order for everyone to enjoy this, please format your game exactly this way. It's not only that, it's... If you don't do it, you're disqualified from the running of actually participating in the contest. You know, I was wondering that. Are you disqualified? Uh, it's part of see, game format, know. so it's a requirement. See, I don't know how strict they'd actually be on that, because that's a subjective kind of thing. It is subjective, and it's so much more subjective than the word limit. Right. And he does give, as you know, it has to be either in text format or a Word doc, or a specially tagged PDF. Um, right. So I guess you can say if it's not submitted in any of those three formats, you're fucked. But what about, like, the presence of... I don't know if he says that you have to... Um, if he says uh, da, 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 you have to caption any images you use. But I can see games that use... Um, I can see games where the verbal, excuse me, where the visual presentation of the game is fundamental to the way the game is played. Games that either have some kind of electro interactive electronic component, 
you know, maybe there's an applet or something that's an integral part of the game. Games right. that are actually themselves Rorschach tests. Right, right. See that? Games that use pictures as, and this would have been the perfect time, the perfect game chef to submit a game that was entirely made of pictures, you know? Right. And that right. was, and that was played through interpretation of those pictures. And, but his accessibility guidelines cut that idea off at the knees. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you had a game that was practically Pictionary, but you had pictures, you know, pre-done and the other players had to, uh, you know, figure out what it was, like, oh, here's a full detail, you know, of what that picture is. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I can see where there's kind of a mixed message between what, you know, the theme of the contest is and what, uh, the rules have. But anyway, all that aside, I mean, I guess I just had to <laughs> had to rant about that. I couldn't resist getting my uh, getting my hit in on Joe McDonough in some way or another. <laughs> but anyway, um, anyway, but let's move on to talking about the ingredients and the theme. We're talking about the actual meat of Game Chef. So yeah, there's a picture of an egg-shaped head. With stylized eyes and teeth visible. Inside the top half of the egg, of the head shape is a black circle, and contained within the black circle is a white snowflake. <laughs> snowflake? I don't. I never saw a snowflake there. I just assumed that was a stylized depiction of like a brain or something. Or a yeah, sun. Or a sun, right? But anyway, obviously these pictures are very much open to interpretation. Yeah. Um, so let's interpret them. Yeah, let's. Let's. <laughs> All right, so um, j- just to make it clear, I'll just go ahead and describe in my own details what the four pictures are, so that way everyone okay. who's listening and doesn't have the ability to you know check out the website because they might be like you know in the Congo with no internet access. Um, but yeah, imagine sure. a. And also, could you? Hit the uh, describe the theme one again. I know we described it earlier in the podcast, but just so that the listeners know exactly what we're talking about. All right. So here is the theme. It is an arrow, a a thick arrow as they call it, uh, going up and down, um, followed by a what looks to be a man in the middle with um, aviator glasses. <laughs> no, it's um. It's just to make it look like a like like a person with uh, with eyes, you know. It's trying to look like a human being in the center. Right, and the key thing is that the, all of these images are purely black and white. So, right. the man in the center, the arrow is white, and the man in the center, of the arrow is black. But the thing that are his aviator glasses or his eyes or whatever are actually the same color as the background, the same white as the background. So it could also be that a big chunk of his head is missing. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah, and so that's going. That's the theme. It's not really a theme, but it's it's more like just an image, and you go for it. Um, and then like like we were saying before, the ingredients. One picture is what looks to be a uh, an an egg head, uh, an egg shaped head, with um. Well, it looks to be a snowflake inside where the cranium is, you know, smiling teeth, kind of alien-like, uh, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And then the other one is an apple with a, you know, a hole in it, like you would see, like with like a worm, 
but instead I forgot what worm type thing that is. I mean the bug. But it's kind of fictional looking bug. I mean it it looks like a centipede crossed with a worm crossed with a spider. I mean it <laughs> it's a weird looking bug. Yeah. And then uh Oh, it looks a little bit like a puppeteer from D and D actually. Oh. Yeah, it does. Okay. Some um, now, the third picture is basically a shirt that's uh, bedazzled uh, with diamonds. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you could think like a mithril shirt or just um, <laughs> spirits are, you know, all around it. You know, that kind of thing. Just a shirt, pretty much. And it looks like it has a sash or a stripe in the center or something. Yeah. It could also be a tunic if you want to get fantasy on us. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah. And then the fourth one is a what appears to be a lamp, you know, like a lantern. Um, and then the silhouette of a person uh, off in the distance. And the fourth one is probably the most ambiguous one of all. Because that lantern-shaped thing in the background could easily be a window or a door opening. A window, you know, um, flanked by curtains. Or a door being pulled open or any any number of different things, I think. Right. Yeah. So um, the rules, as stated, are uh, you know four thousand words or less, which is actually a thousand words more than last year. And they wrote how oh. they wanted to keep it short <laughs> for people. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought that was some some humorous things to to mention there. Although people will probably need the extra thousand words just to explain how they're using the pictures and their design. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean, though, Rodex. Okay, but we don't... So the main thing is that we have to make a game using those pictures. That's the thing. And you only have to incorporate two to three of the pictures. Yeah, you have to use the theme, but you only have to use two to three of the ingredients. So, with that in mind, let's talk about this. What do you guys see in these pictures? What jumped out at you at first? Hmm. Well... See, the first thing is the theme. Uh, while it, um, I guess it says a stylized person looking at the viewer with thick glasses, something like that. The thick glasses thing. That's not what what came to me initially. Right. What initially it looks like to me is like some kind of robot or something because it looks like his head is like split. Almost. Right. Like a. Uh, yeah, I, that, that's what, I mean, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, like some kind of Star Wars droid. Right, like a droid. Yeah, that's 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 exactly it. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that jumped out at me most in the theme is the arrow in the background. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think the thing about the theme is... I mean, I think the interesting thing is that the themes picture is probably the broadest picture and the most open to interpretation of any of the pictures. I mean, the only thing that is absolutely clear here is that there's a humanoid-looking figure in the picture. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. The, uh, The arrows could be arrows, but it could also be once... Like with the other picture, it could be a door opening behind, um, behind the figure. 
In fact, it looks kind of like the silhouette of someone standing in a doorway. It looks kind of like one of those scenes from the, a horror film where it flashes to the guy standing in the doorway. It's like illuminated by lightning in the background. Yeah, yeah I mean, like the first thing that uh, came to mind for me was that um, the, the the theme it felt like uh, deception. Where Ooh. when you when you look at it, like, oh, it's up and down, right? But oh, if you just put a you know a line you know going horizontally you know down in the right in the middle, it you know it could be like a reflection in a pool where in the upper half there's one thing, but in the bottom half, wait a minute, that shouldn't that wouldn't that shouldn't be right, you know? It right. should be exactly like that thing up top, or vice versa. Yeah, I can definitely see a deception component here. I also thought that there was like. A... However, you want to call it a moral component or an existential component. The arrow pointing two ways seems to signify choice to me. Whether it's like a moral choice, like a heaven-hell dichotomy, you know, you can go up or you can go down, or whether just choice, period, you know, the idea of there being two directions, two possible directions to go in. But it seems like there's, it really signifies definitely some kind of dichotomy, some kind of situation that could go in two different directions. Yeah, like a pedestal, and on the top, you press the top like a button and activate something weird. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I could see that. So yeah, um, I it's gonna be interesting to see if anybody uh, doesn't follow the guidelines in quote, you know, by people reviewing it, because <laughs> there's no way anybody could like not be following the rules. Yeah, really, that'd be very it's hard. Unless your game doesn't have people or droids in it at all. (laughs) Unless there's absolutely no human or quasi-human component to your game. Well, yeah, that seems very open to interpretation. Now, when you looked at the ingredients, did anything jump out at you? Well, for me, uh, the first ingredient, the egg-shaped head there with the snowflake inside of it. That seems to suggest to me some kind of like uh, some kind of cognitive maybe problem or something. Okay. Like a like your brain because it's like your brain is frozen. He has brain freeze. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that's what stood out to me initially. So you were almost thinking about mechanics when you saw that then. Hmm. How do you mean? Meaning that you almost thought of it as saw it as an inspiration for the type of game mechanics, and that maybe there'd be some kind of intellectual puzzles involved in the game mechanics. Oh, maybe, yeah. Like brain teasers or something. Yeah, yeah. You definitely see that. So the things that actually what jumped out at me right away was a um, was the combination. Of the second picture, the one with the apple with the worm thing in it, and the tunic. And what I saw, thought of immediately, or almost immediately, was the story of Adam and Eve. And the idea of, like, you eat the apple of the knowledge of good and evil, and then you realize that you're naked. And you're like, yo, man, I better put my some clothes on, I'm naked. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I actually got an idea for a game from that. That maybe we'll talk about later, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. 
but I definitely saw, you know, the Garden of Eden story there. Even the worm thing kind of looks like the you could kind of interpret it as the snake, you know, as the serpent that right. seduces you to eat the apple, and then you end up realizing that you're naked and being thrown out of the Garden of Eden. Right. You guys see any kind of synergy between these? Uh, well, I mean, already from the from the shirt and the lantern, uh, like I said before, like if you do the shirt and, you know, bedazzle it, make it shiny like uh, it's very similar to the lantern in terms of the illumination. And are, are, so are you going to pitch an 80s dis- disco game <laughs> <laughs> with the disco ball and the sequined outfits? And you could do that. You could. You could. Good. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Sorry to interrupt you. I just oh no, you didn't of... interrupt. You enhanced it. Um... I heard you talking <laughs> like that, and I thought Alex Swingle '80s disco game. <laughs> but, or, or you can have it to where, hey, look, it's a human-shaped door, and a guy's coming through it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh... No, um, like overall, like none of these pictures really match each other besides the one I just mentioned, because that is like a literal translation if you just went by the text of the two pictures that they presented. But um, everything else is kind of a stretch if you actually really wanted to put them together. Um, yeah, that's how I really, pretty much that's how I feel about it when it comes to all these pictures altogether. Like only two of them really match what the theme picture looks like if you are going by first glance without like, you know, rotating them or anything like that. Right. Yeah. I didn't even think of rotating that. Yeah. That's why I uh, wrote in the chat box because, you know, (laughs) the listeners can't read it. Uh, Like when they were talking about, you know, the egghead thing, well, if you flip it, you know, flip it over, it looks like a guy vomiting a crystal or some shit like that, firing his laser. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see hey. that because his then the thing his eyes are still his eyes, but his head is that thing is at like a hat or something, right? Mm-hmm. So right? His teeth become a hat, and he's got a big open mouth with, as you said, a, I guess a crystal or something. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah, and that worm doesn't look so like it's coming out of the, uh, at the apple. It could be one of those things where like, oh, it's like a, like a horned bug that uses the apple as like, like a conch shell, you know, that kind of thing where it hides into it. Oh, actually, if you invert that image, as you said, it looks like it has horns and it gives it almost a more demonic look, which goes along with my idea a little better. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's pretty much one of those things where like uh it's best to actually not you know, like I said, it's best to not read <laughs> the descriptions before you even do this. Or like if you do read it, flip everything around, reverse it, rotate it. Otherwise you 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 may not get all the stuff that's, you know, useful in, in some of the ingredient pictures. Yeah, it might even be valuable to actually print these out on paper and cut them out and then yeah. play with them, you know, turn them at every which way until you see something cool. Rudy, what jumped out at you? Did the, the ingredients do anything for you? As far as synergy, um, I see kind of synergy between the first one and the fourth one, the, uh, the egghead and the, the one that looks like a lantern or maybe 
shades opening. That one together though seem to kind of suggest maybe some kind of uh, like awakening or something like that. Oh, like, your brain's, like the brain is frozen and then like the light comes in and melts all the ice, that kind of thing. Oh, that's interesting. It is. But yeah, light, and, and maybe it's just because of the fact that you have black and white images, but light seems to play a pretty significant role in a lot of these. Yeah. At least in the theme, where, as I said, it looks kind of like an illuminated doorway, or at least it looks like a silhouette. And then, right. as you mentioned, the lantern and the... Um, and we had mentioned before that the icon where the head's brain should be could very well be a sun as well as a snowflake. Oh, right. So I imagine we're going to see a lot of light-themed games. It'll be interesting to see what people do with these, especially as they try to pigeonhole them into the, like, three or four acceptable kinds of games that most people <laughs> think exist, you know? Or people going to make your usual broiler plate epic fantasy game with this? And how are people going to make a uh, White Wolf style gothic? I guess that'd be pretty easy, actually, to make a White Wolf style gothic game with this or a uh, obligatory. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what people do with it ultimately, I guess. Any thoughts on what the prevailing theme of this is going to be? Because it seems like every time they release a bunch of games, like every excuse me, every time there's a contest like this, a bunch of games in the contest seem to cluster around one thing or another. I remember at one point in the Ronnies, for example, I don't remember what the terms were exactly, but it ended up producing a whole bunch of White Wolf knockoff games about, you know, demons and just and angels and gothic subject metal. Matter. Of course, the last Game Chef produced a whole bunch of Native American themed games, which then turned into an epic shitstorm on story games <laughs> about cultural appropriation. So I'm wondering if maybe that having images instead of words might help to prevent that, because I don't see, just looking at these right now, a dominant theme here, a sort of, um, you know, a, a style of game that's going to come out of this and just um, steamroll over all the others. Although, who knows? Well, I mean, really, it all depends on, uh, because of the amount of days you have to complete it, it all depends on how people, how much people are just going to be hacky with it, because a lot of this stuff is a mixture of D&D &D and World of Darkness. Uh, mainly World of Darkness photos. Uh, in terms of, like, the feeling that people can easily get from this. So, because of the black and white, or because because of the black and white, because of the uh, you know the 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 worm coming out of the apple, you know, the 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 egghead thing, you know, people are gonna read it and see like, oh, I'm gonna make a dark and edgy game about mysteriousness and like CIA agents and you know X Files, and um, I'm I'm, I'm guessing there's gonna be a lot of those games. Um, since, you know, we're up to the task of reviewing them all. You know what? I wonder if if I had to guess the dominant 
theme right now, I would say maybe some kind of mystery game, like a murder mystery game or something, just because of the interplay of light and darkness and the potential to interpret a few of these images as being like what's behind the what's with inside the window what's behind the doorway you know something like that and also because of the potential poisoning angle with the apple Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's a good point and you have a literal cloak if you want to do cloak and dagger here So I'm going to bet on a lot of games about mystery and subterfuge. And as Alex said earlier, deception. Yep. So how would you make a game out of this, guys? What kind of games come to mind for you? As you guys know, these pictures to me scream the 1980s. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure that's just not the usual background noise in your brain screaming <laughs> that? A- anyways, um, <laughs> no, uh, let's see here. From from what I was looking at is that um, I am definitely want to do the <laughs> the one that involves that uh, you know pushing the button, as I said, you know, for for one of the other guesses. Mm-hmm. Um, where where there's this like secluded room and like oh here's this thing that um is just waiting to be activated mm. and then followed by the um followed by the fourth picture you know with the uh the silhouette of the of the, of the light and uh what i'm thinking that fourth picture is that's the picture you know showing the room where the first picture is um, you know, oh. where in the upper left-hand corner there of where that where that lamp's supposed the lantern's supposed so to be. Almost the first picture shown from a different angle. Exactly. Like looking at the guy, looking forward at the guy coming through the doorway. You're now looking. You're now in the doorway, standing behind the guy, looking at him from mm-hmm. looking at him looking into the room. Yes, exactly. Right. And then afterwards, I want to either use the first picture or the third picture. I'm leaning towards the first picture, where it's one of those things where that is the you know the close up of the person that's getting ready to uh, to activate it, or or you know get into that room. However you want to do uh you know declare it. So it, like I'm thinking these are like premonition pictures, you know you know that kind of thing. And it's up to you to figure out like how that you know how that occurred. So uh, you're, I, yeah. I can't help but think of those um, point and click adventure games where you're trapped <laughs> in a room and you have to find a way to escape the room. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was is in any way connected to what you're talking about. Well, I wasn't I wasn't thinking of escaping a room more like this is the vision that you, the characters are supposed to be having, you know that kind of thing and. Again, because of the whole murder, I mean, the mystery kind of thing, it would be one of those things where, like, oh, uh, you'll start finding out that maybe you have superpowers or some shit like that, and you have to get in uh, one way or another. You find yourself in this room, you know, replaying the images that you saw in your head. Oh, uh, so you're thinking almost like a Minority Report type thing. Like, exactly. Where at the beginning of the game, you're given like a jumbled up series of images that seem to portend something. And it's up to you while playing the game to put them together. Mm-hmm. It's until you move ultimately to that moment that was presented in the premonition at the beginning and suddenly all the pieces fall into place and the images that 
seem to be meaningful, but where the meaning wasn't exactly clear, suddenly all come together and you can see the series of events that was predicted play out, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't need to use all three of those pictures like for the actual game. Like this would probably be a good idea to get other pictures mm-hmm. um, you know, and describe them in a certain way. Because just like how this whole you know game chef is about interpreting the pictures, rotating them, seeing how it actually looks to you, I think that would be uh, one of the best ways to do it. Would be to basically make a game about this kind of game, <laughs> you know, context. Game of interpretation. Exactly. Yeah, that would be really cool. I think. Mm. Actually, I think that would be <clears throat> where the act of playing was also an act of interpretation. Mm-hmm, exactly. That would be pretty neat. Yeah, that's my first thought at a glance. Rudy, you got anything? Uh, well, first off, I see, um, I see basically superheroes. (laughs) (laughs) And that might might be because of my particular background noise of superheroes all the time. But uh, the first image and the third image, mm-hmm. uh, the first one, like, I don't know how anyone could look at that and not see some kind of super villain or something. <laughs> because, okay. I mean, it, it looks like, it, it literally looks like the symbol that would be on a super villain's chest or their headquarters or something. Um, But the third picture, the the coat or whatever that's bedazzled, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that that seems to suggest some kind of invincibility or something, some kind of, or even a costume. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's where I thought you were going with it was a costume. Yeah. I mean that that's basically what uh what I see there. And um, so how yeah. does it tie into the theme? Well, the theme, I guess. Again, that that theme itself looks like some kind of uh, it suggests some kind of superhero either transformation of like from like them their alter ego to the superhero like he's coming out of the darkness kind of oh okay or um maybe even some kind of duality between like because his head is kind of splitting (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna close the window just a second Okay, you were saying? Alright, well, anyway, some kind of duality with the dude, because, like, his head is split into two pieces, and there's the up arrow and the down arrow. Right. And the up arrow and the down arrow, if you were making a game about heroes and villains, it almost seems to suggest some kind of moral choice, as I said earlier. So maybe the choice between becoming a superhero and becoming a supervillain. Right. Which would be kind of a cool game. And I don't know, does capes get into that? I, I don't, I haven't played capes or read capes. I've just heard about capes. Does that give you an option of becoming a hero or a villain, like through play? or? See, I read it briefly, and I don't actually remember what. I just remember the, the tagline of it is something like, power is cool, but do you deserve it? Oh, okay. I, it might get into something like hero to villain transformation. I'm not sure. Because it seems like generally super, well, 
one of the disappointing things about most superhero movies and games and so on, and one of the awesome things about Chronicle, by the way, is that you often know exactly where this is going. You know, it's like, oh, well, obviously Clark Kent is going to become Superman. He's not going to become, you know, uh, Galactus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the... Peter Parker is going to become Spider-Man. He's not going to become... Well, he is eventually going to become Venom, I guess. But, you know, there's... But when you start with scratch on your superhero, like Chronicle did, I spent a good, a good, I don't know, the first half of that movie trying to figure out which of the two kids was going to become the hero and which was going to become the villain. And I think that if you have a some moral... A, game about superheroes with some kind of moral flexibility where it could go either way through play. Like you could end up as a hero or you could end up as a villain. I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Of course, Rudy's characters would always end up as villains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kid ourselves here. So you see a superhero game. Well, I, as I said, I saw the... Uh, Adam and Eve story there. And I actually made up a game in my head this morning. It's not a role-playing game. Mm. It's not a game I would ever play. Mm. <laughs> but it's a game. Uh, and it's it's a game about shame. In fact, I thought I was going to call the game Shame, maybe. <laughs> uh, and it is... Once again, it's using that idea of, like... Um, you know, eating the the fruit from the tree of good and evil and uh, realizing that you are naked right. in it. And it's using – and there's a literal nakedness component to the game. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> okay. And also the idea of – and the, the dual arrows made me think of like – I don't know. It made me think of a social con, the social conflict that exists where, like, you're, whenever you have, like, a situation where basically the conflict between, like, I'm trying to think of the word I want to use, um, between being, basically between, like, moving up and being seen as being respectable and admirable and being like pushed down into the dirt and made to feel like you're shameful and disgusting and mm. yeah so anyway here's the game so i don't know if you've ever heard of the drinking game never have i ever uh, but I've heard of it. i don't know what the rules are but... it's basically a combination of never have i ever and strip poker Oh, uh, okay. It, it would never have I ever. Um, I've never played it because I don't drink. But anyway, you, basically someone says, never have I ever, you know, slept with a prostitute. And <laughs> then anyone who has slept with a prostitute has to take a drink. Oh, that game. Yeah. 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 Okay. Never have I ever made an apocalypse world hack. And everyone else in the RPG design community takes a drink. And uh, you, you all know what strip poker is. Yeah. 
So here's the basic concept of the game. First, you have to have like a conversation just to establish like what the moral tenor of your group is. Like you have to figure out what morals you have in common, what like principles you share. Like maybe you're all a bunch of conservative Christians and you think that like, you know, sexual purity is important. Or maybe you're all a bunch of social justice dudes hanging out and inclusion and pluralism are important. Or maybe you're a bunch of degenerates like us and, uh, you know, not seeming like you have empathy is important. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. So, But you need to have a conversation just to dis- so that you know going into the game what would be a shameful act for your group, within your group. Because that's the only place that shame exists is within your peer group, right? Or within your society. So you have to have a quick conversation. You don't have to reach any firm conclusions, but you just have to have a quick conversation so you know what would be considered a shameful act. And then you go around the table. You can go, you know, you you don't need special rules for going around the table. You can just go around clockwise or counterclockwise or whatever. And the person whose turn it is looks at another person and says, have you ever, like, and then you say something that would be considered shameful for your group. So, like, you know, if you let's use the conservative Christian example. It's like, well, have you ever performed fellatio on someone you weren't married to? Or if it's the, let's use the social justice inclusion group. It's, have you ever used the term faggot in a derogatory way? Or if it's the, um, the RPG design community, um, have you ever, um, I don't know, have you ever designed a game that uses more than three types of dice and is more than 80 pages long. <laughs> and anyway, so if, and if the person says yes, they have to remove an article of clothing. Yeah. And then you go, <laughs> you basically <laughs> go around the table shaming each other. Like, and then the other next person would choose someone and say, have you ever done this? And if they admit, they say, yes, I did it. Then they have to remove an article of clothing if they haven't they get to keep their clothes on you basically do this until someone is naked and then they have to stand up and put their hands behind their head and tell an and tell a embarrassing anecdote from their past and they have to keep doing that until the rest of the group has agreed that they've humiliated themselves <laughs> and that's the whole game <laughs> Actually, I was thinking one more little twist on the game, which was that everyone would have three tokens, a green token, a red token, and a yellow token. And if you don't want to strip, if you don't want to remove, if you have to admit that you've done something, but you don't want to remove an article of clothing, you can put a token in and then give a justification for why you did it. And there were like, if you put the green token in, you have to start out by saying everyone else was, and then oh. you justify it as like you know everyone else was doing it and if you right. put the red red token in you have to say i was forced and then explain oh. how someone else coerced you into doing it and then if you put the yellow token in you say i had no choice and you explain why it was out you had no choice in the matter and that's the whole game right yep it's a game of um 
ritual humiliation. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a pretty cool game. I think we should play that. I would never play that game. What if you were forced to? I would never play a game that involves undressing. But that's why I made the game. I was like, boy, what would be really, like, shameful? Like, I don't know, I think the game would have a dynamic. A dynamic would quickly develop where the game would become really, like, tense. Yeah. Well, or yeah. people would be picked on and targeted, which is why instead of doing, why I inverted the never have I ever thing to actually picking someone and forcing them to answer the question. Right. Even if your own answer to the question would be yes, by the way. Oh, right. Someone for engaging in a behavior that you yourself engage in. Right. But the idea that social conformity kind of functions on that level of, like, basically targeting people for their perceived lapses from the, uh, the social contract or whatever you want to call it. Basically, I just wanted to get at... I don't know. Anyway, that's my game. Swingle. Swingle got very quiet. I was waiting for you to finish, because I had nothing to say besides what I wrote in the chat box. (laughs) I like that bonus rule. You have to make the naked player orgasm once per player. No, you see, that would be contrary to how you're supposed to feel playing the game. You're not supposed... I mean, maybe the other players are aroused, but you as the victim aren't supposed to feel aroused. No, 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 it's it's afterwards. After you do your thing. Yeah, that still wouldn't... Like, they're supposed to feel ashamed. No, no, they they, they would. They would. Trust me, they would. (laughs) But what if that arousal itself is shame? That's true. That's true. And I mean, some people are, uh, you know, masochists and into public humiliation. And I imagine they're the only people who would want to play this game. I wouldn't play this game. (laughs) (laughs) Case in point. (laughs) We're playing this game when you get home. (laughs) No, we're not. (laughs) Yep, we are. You made it, so we're going to play it. Got a play test, bro. Got a play, no, test. play test. Yeah. Man, I have no desire to play test. I yeah. have a desire to see people play test this game, but not participate in a play test myself. <laughs> Never have I ever. Okay. You guys have any ideas for games? Um, not particularly. No. I'll probably have others, but like, you know. I'm not thinking of them right now, just because cannot be bothered. Dude, this is the time to bother. I was thinking of actually as a game with superheroes. Yeah. Where you play as the alter ego of the superheroes, and all of them are like put together in one place. Mm-hmm. Like you have heroes and villains and whatever else, but all their their alter egos like you know work at Kmart or something, right? And like you have to uh, buy their 
activities or something. I'm not entirely sure how it will work. But basically, by their activities on the job, and, you know, in the uh, in whatever, you'd have to you'd have to kind of guess how they would turn out as a, how what their you know what their superhero personality. Yeah, something like that. Something so, that involves guessing and alter egos. So let's say at the beginning of the game, let's say there's a deck of cards with like rules on it or characters broad characters on it like one card mm. says like mad scientist villain you right. know the archetypes and one of them says like you know uh anti-hero right you know, one of them says um you know uh silver age superhero and and so on and yeah. so forth and you'd be dealt a card face down at the beginning of the game potentially you'd look at it and everyone else would know what cards were in the deck, but they wouldn't know what each person was dealt. No, right. Through interactions and play, they'd have to guess what the other person was, what card the other person was dealt. Is that the way it would work? Right, something like that. Like if someone, like if there's a, if someone drops a bottle of ketchup, and another guy like swoops in in front of everyone else to clean it up immediately. Yeah. And puts like a little American flag down, down after they finish um, cleaning it up. That must be like the Silver Age superhero. Right. And if someone, oh, I don't know, is working in the gadgets department and is building a death ray or whatever in the gadgets department, and the, then, oh, it must be the science villain or something. Yeah, something like that. But I think there'd have to be some way to complicate it, you know, so that you couldn't just recognize immediately who the fuck. Right, right. So, huh. Well, then it might be that the goal of the game is to guess who the other person is playing without being guessed yourself. Oh, right. But in that case, what's to keep you from playing it really opaque and mundane and not giving anything away? Right, that's the thing. Maybe if each one of the uh, if each one of the cards has some associated like properties or something with it that you have to play. Ooh, like taboo in reverse. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you that have would... to play some property, some of the properties of your, you know, your your old villain, whatever. Right. But uh, you have to do it without tipping your hand, basically. Hmm. The only problem I can see with that is once everyone knows the cards, they're going to know right. the properties, too. Right, gonna... that's the thing. Maybe you can make up the cards on the fly or something. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. I don't know how you would do that. Like, maybe, you, maybe you're playing, like, specific, you know, characters. Maybe, like, specific heroes or villains. And everybody goes around the table and makes up some, and then makes up some associated properties for them. Well, that would be interesting. So you'd have like a character generate, like a group character generation at the beginning, where you right. would be generating everyone's characters collectively. Mm -hmm. That could be really cool. If you could get the balance right, so that it wasn't too easy or too hard to guess. And that would be right. a lot of fun, I think. Right.
I would rather play that game than my game. Well, I know you would, but we're going to play your game when we get home. <laughs> so what I... When explaining that, would I have to play the green token, or would I have to play the yellow token? Or the red token? Like, Wait. are you going to force me to do it? Oh. Like, physical coercion? Are you going to make me feel obligated to do it because you'll get everyone else to play? Or are yeah. you going to um, make it so that I have no choice but to play? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> oh, goodness. Mostly I was just trying to design a game that mimicked how I felt whenever I tried to express my opinion on story games. <laughs> 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 so we've all kind of pitched a few ideas here and I think there is something kind of fun about just interpreting these images yeah to say hey that looks like that looks like I don't know Swingle do you have any thoughts on these overall I think it's kind of poopy but yeah it'll be good <laughs> yep. You know what I kind of see in the last picture, the one with the lantern? Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm just really stretching it. But I kind of see one of those scenes from like a movie where the hero is looking into the like into the distant into the distance and an atomic bomb is going off. Oh yeah. Like the yeah, mushroom cloud. Yeah, yep. I could see that. Because of the way the lights cast on them, basically. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, because there's the light source in the distance that looks almost vaguely like a mushroom cloud, and then there's that light reflecting back on him that looks almost like that kind of. Uh, yeah, exactly. What you were saying. Right. Huh. Don't know if you could make an atomic light a Manhattan Project-themed RPG out of this one, you'd probably have to use the guy's head with the yeah. sun rain in some way. Like, that could even be, like, the inspiration for the... It almost looks kind of like an explosion is going off inside his head. So it's kind yeah. of like the scientists of the Manhattan Project realizing that what they can do before they do it, you know, coming up with the concept for the atomic right. weapon. Right. And, yeah. Uh, Actually, how about this? Yeah. How about a game where everybody plays as Doctor Manhattan? From and the Watchmen. Similar, yeah, from Watchmen, and it's similar to yours, except everybody starts naked. <laughs> oh goodness. So do you put clothes on as you play? No, oh, no, you don't put clothes on. You just swing with your arms. Oh, okay. Just as many as is necessary to preserve an R rating. So oh, what? Just as many, you put on just as much clothes as is necessary to preserve an R rating. Because you can only have so many scenes of swinging dick in the movie. Yeah, that, that's true. But his dick was swinging pretty good throughout the whole movie. I mean, but there were also scenes where he was inexplicably wearing a loincloth. Yeah, and, see, that, that was kind of strange. Like, yeah. I don't know how they decided, like, which scene. <laughs> I feel like there must be, like, 
a threshold beyond which you're in MC-17 territory. It's like... Um, well, well if, if he had an erection, then it'd be MC-17. Oh, okay. I think he can. you can get away with the swinging dick just, you know, out there. But can you get away with an unlimited number of scenes of it? Or are there a certain number of th- scenes that are, where it's okay, but after which it's like, oh, that's too much dick for an R-rated movie? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. That's what I wonder when I see scenes like that with him in the loincloth. You know, because otherwise, unless it was deemed that it was too distracting to be in all of the scenes. It's like, no, if they're going to be, they're going to be, the dialogue in this scene is important to move the plot flow forward. So we better cover him up so that people will listen. <laughs> See, that, that's exactly it. Because I noticed also in the, uh, in the war scenes, like when he was in Vietnam, Yeah. I think he had the loincloth on then. So maybe it has something to do with like the degree of seriousness, like how serious you're supposed to take. Right. Like, wouldn't look like a badass blowing up all those soldiers, you know. Yeah, I guess. Although you'd think that would be the scene where you really want his dick swinging around for metaphorical reasons. See, that's true, yeah. I don't know if that Snyder thinks like we do, though. <laughs> <laughs> he probably doesn't, unfortunately. And Alex Swingle, don't you dare cut this conversation. <laughs> no, this has to be left in, dude. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Goodness. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> so, I don't know. Any more thoughts on this? You know, I feel like... Alex should just cut out the first 20 minutes of any of our podcasts because it takes about that long for us to start to actually have a conversation about anything. There's like a solid, at least a solid 15 minutes of hemming and hawing and me saying the same shit over and over again, or me just like riffing on nothing and everyone else sitting there quietly before we actually start talking to each other about and then we have the solid 30 minutes in the middle where we're actually talking about what we're supposed to be talking about. And that's good. But when it gets really great is when we hit the point where it just degenerates into Dr. Manhattan's blue penis. That's that's the pinnacle of Mom's basement right there. Yeah. Oh, and uh, not to forget, <clears throat> Dan Maruschak. Yeah, we better mention Dan Maruschak. And we love you. We do. To just come on the podcast, how can you resist? You like superheroes, don't you? Yeah, you like game design? He already plays Lex Luthor on a regular basis, you know? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> well, that's perfect casting. He'd be a much better Lex Luthor than Kevin Spacey ever was. Yeah. I mean, just look at that stone-cold stare, you know? Yeah. I know. I'd be intimidated. <laughs> Plus, it'll be a good excuse to use that picture you made. Man, who needs kryptonite? Dan <laughs> <laughs> Marie's Jack's stern look of disapproval. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, I'd say we uh, we redo this. Where we are, you know, actually coherent enough. I think we actually have a pretty good 
podcast here. Yeah, we were totally coherent, I think. I think that our discussion, there might be some stuff in the beginning that needs to be chopped out a little bit for redundancy or whatever, but I think we've got a pretty coherent discussion going here. Yep. I mean, especially the stuff in the middle when we were talking about games. I think you had, I think that all three of us had some pretty good interpretations for this shit. Yeah, exactly. So, are any of you either going to act... Well, you can cut that part out, but you won't. Because you enjoy seeing, leaving in scenes where I humiliate myself. Not um, all the time. I mean. Not all the time. <laughs> what was I going to say? So, are any of you guys actually going to make a game for Game Chef? That's yeah. the critical. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you are? Yeah. What game are you going to make? It'll be a game. It may not be the one that I was talking about before. I think you should there. make the one you were talking about before. I think there's something really cool about having... See, there's one puzzle that I've always wanted to solve in RPGs, and that's the nonlinear narrative. Like, yeah. how do you effectively tell a nonlinear narrative in an RPG, especially one that tantalizes you with a possible solution before offering you that solution, which is exactly what your idea would do. The idea of there being a premonition that the players get at the beginning of the game that doesn't completely come together until the conclusion of the game is really interesting because how do you work with incomplete knowledge? Because if you're writing a story and the characters have incomplete knowledge, well, the author still has largely complete knowledge. Right. So it's easy for the author to go back and retroactively drop hints. But when the players are in the dark and their characters are in the dark, how do you pull that off? Yeah. How do you have some kind of hints at the beginning that you then pull together into something coherent during the revelation at the end? Hmm. It's a really interesting challenge, and I don't think anyone's done it particularly well yet i mean the obvious thing would be to just have it so that at the end of the game you you do your best to put the pieces together like the stuff at the, the premonition at the beginning of the game is somehow almost completely randomized or largely randomized and then as you play the game you start to build up a theory and then it and then incorporate that theory into play until at the end of the game, you have figured out for yourself, out of character, what you think it all must mean. And then you kind of shove that interpretation into play, in character, in the end. Right. You know? That would be the obvious way to do it. But I wonder if that's the only way to do it. Or you could have a situation where different players have different parts of the different pieces of the puzzle. Mm. So or, everyone so complete complete knowledge exists, but every player has incomplete knowledge. Or you can make it where every player has their own thing that they have to work out themselves and they have to take other players uh, cards or you know images and incorporate into their story. Oh, so every player oh, yeah. starts the game thinking they have complete knowledge, but then the knowledge becomes incomplete because the other players are interjecting things into it. Yeah. That's interesting. 
And then they still have to make it pull it all together and make it work at the end. Exactly. You know, that actually most closely limit excuse me, most closely mimics the way these narratives actually usually work. Right? Because usually like take minority report. Tom Cruise thinks he knows how the murder went down because what he sees seems like a complete picture. And usually the story starts like that. Oh, they see something. The premonition seems to make sense to them. And it seems to make sense to the audience. And then they hit a point where suddenly their interpretation breaks down. Tom Cruise is like, oh, wait, but I'm the killer. How could I be the killer? (laughs) And at the end of the at the end of the story, at the end of the movie, they have to pull the whole story together anyway and make all those pieces make sense again. Oh, I wasn't the killer, but I was framed, and what I was seeing before was manipulated, you know? So to have that play out uh, over the course of a game, have the players start thinking, oh, this is how, this is what I'm seeing, this is what's going to happen. And then the other players frustrate that. Oh, wait, I actually don't know what's going to happen. And then it all comes together at the end. Oh, that's what happened. That would be really cool. That would be, that would be I think there needs to be more experimenting with non-linear narratives in RPGs. Anyway, Swingle, I believe that you are up to that challenge. I believe you can make that game. <laughs> I, I thank you for having so much confidence in me. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's rare. Usually I'm like, Alex Swingle, you're full of shit. But today, Swingle... Today, I have the utmost confidence in your abilities. Today, I'm in awe of what you could accomplish if you just plot, tried your swingleist. Your swingle. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, that, Rudy, are that's going to go on loop for sure. That should go on loop because that's a basic one. Basic. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So, Rudy, do you have any? Do uh, you think you're gonna make a game? Uh, probably not. But I may test this superhero game out just because I like superheroes. <laughs> yeah, if I use it for game chat. <laughs> well, sometimes you have ideas. I, yeah. I think that these um, contests are good at giving me ideas that I might not use for yeah. a while. Yeah. Like, Welfare Queens was inspired by one of the Ronnie competitions, but it was never put together and submitted. I just had, I read the stuff and I had an idea, and I, oh, I might, I should make that game. Then the time came and went, and I was like, fuck it. And eventually, like, a year and a half later, I made that game, so. <sighs> I don't know. I've made the game, but now I have to do the part that's hardest for me, which is to write it down. And I don't really, like, I don't know. See, I get inspiration, and I'm like, yeah, I'm digging this. And then I'm like, eh. <laughs> you know, it's like, time to write it down. It's like, eh, who cares? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I am, too. I don't know how many times I've basically completed a game in my head to the point where I could explain it to someone and we could play it, but still have failed to put it down on paper. 
And also, I don't really see much benefit in writing down a game that no one is ever going to want to play, that can't possibly win Game Chef, that most um, won't even read. I think, actually, a lot of people would want to play a game like that. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, As I said, I'd play it. <laughs> like, sexual sadists would want to play that game. Yeah, I mean, sure, but I mean, I mean, who, I mean, you gotta think about the, you know, audience here. That's true. Game Chef, bro. It could be any number of sexual sadists. <laughs> That's true. Well, and Joe McDonough will ultimately be judging the finalists and deciding who Ew. to win. Ew. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even to get it to the point where he's forced to read that game. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be awesome to uh, to do a video. I mean, to make a game whose sole purpose is to, like, massively offend Joe McDonald. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That would be pretty neat. Rudy, you should totally do that. That's, like, totally up your alley. Yeah. Actually, well, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah? I was going to say I have another idea for a game, sort of. Yeah? That I've always wanted to do. This is actually an idea I've had for a while. Okay. But it involves pictures and magazines. Oh, yeah. Basically, yeah. I don't know how I would get this out of the pictures. But I could kind of see the, uh, the, the, um, the tabard or the fucking, uh, you know, the shirt, the bedazzled shirt. Yeah. And the worm maybe getting. But basically, uh, you play as two, uh, each player plays as a sorcerer mm-hmm. who has a grimoire filled with, uh, filled with magic spells. And the grimoire in real life is a magazine that they, uh, pulled from someone. Okay. And, uh, basically the offensive part comes down to the two men are competing for the affections of a young boy. <laughs> John at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> old, like elderly sorcerers competing for the affections of young boy. Okay. Yep. And so you cut pictures out of magazines in order to seduce the young boy? Oh well, what I was thinking is sort of like you have like three players. One player is the boy, mm-hmm. and basically you're competing to make like the prettiest picture or something for the boy to satisfy. And does the picture, like, come to life in the game? Is that... Well, something like that. I don't know. Is it like Jumanji? Yeah, yeah. I, like, I guess it's pseudo-Jumanji. Like, sexual predator Jumanji? Although I guess you really don't have to say that, since Robin Re- Williams' role was pretty ambiguous in that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's terrible. Anyway. Yep. You should make that game. Nah. No, why not? I don't know, I'm too lazy to make it. I know. I don't I don't feel like it. it does take like a lot of energy to make a game. Yeah. And to record a podcast. That's true. Recording a podcast takes so much fucking energy. Doesn't it? Well, we're good for another six months. <laughs> 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 uh well, 
I mean, at least we have one more coming down the road in about a week, maybe two, after, yeah. uh, you know, all the entries came out and we can go like, yeah, you know, McDonald said these ones are good, but they're shit. These ones are better. Here's our top. Blah, blah, blah. Tune in to the next episode of Mom's Basement Podcast when we offer our top five list for Game Chef 2015. <laughs> <laughs> No, but really, though, we, we will probably record another one with our top five list for Game Chef 2013. And maybe we'll even do it before the winners come out, like we did last time. We won't be doing top ten lists like we did last time, because that was a god-awful experience. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast was like three hours long, and it was loaded, and we had to read every single game. Don't expect that level of professionalism from us ever again, especially <laughs> since audio quality was ultimately fucked and yeah. it was impossible to listen to. Well, I mean, it was only bad because um, people that were recording it, a.k.a. Rudy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> blah, 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 and then right when I was able to finally, you know, get the reins to it and, you know, do some shit, it was yeah. able to start sounding good. Yeah, almost. Yeah, it sounded basketball. Yeah. So I think it'll be better, but overall, yeah. I mean, I'll still read every game because I am serious faith professional. I will at least skim every game. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's no way I'm going to be reading word for word, 100% every game, but... You know what? I'll do you one better. I will at least read the blurb advertising this game. <laughs> you know, I wonder what happened to the Game Chef 2012 applicants. I feel like the best games. First of all, that was a terrible crop of games. I'm sorry to say it, but it was kind of a shabby crop of games. But it seems like the best games from 2012 never really um, came to life, never really got developed or released. Did any games from. Game Chef 2012 make it in the long run? Uh, I really don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember either. I don't even remember most of the games that were on my list. I just remember Monsters of Glam and uh, freaking... I remember the one about the Aliens who were illegal immigrants. Yeah. That concept. Awesome. What was it called, Rudy? Liminal. Liminal, yes. Yeah. I felt like there was a real, like, it was obviously, like, unpolished and incomplete, but I felt like there was a really awesome game that could have been made out of that. And I kind of hope it was, but I don't know if it was. Um... You. It was another one. You know, I really distinctly remember a game that I thought was pretty cool. Um, that was like presented as a role-playing poem or something, where you basically went out and wandered around in the woods at night, and the woods were like the brain of a dead giant or something. I don't know, oh. it's a fantasy landscape. Right. 
and you like made up a story. It was basically just go out and play in the woods like you're a kid. And I was like, yes, yes, that game is awesome. I wonder if any of the controversial Coyote games ever made it. Mm. Boy, that's the only thing about, well, it's not the only thing about Game Chef. But one thing about Game Chef is that it's almost wasteful on an industrial scale. Because you see there's just this mass production of games. Like, what was it? It was like 80 games last time, 90 games, I don't remember. It was dozens of games. Dozens of games are produced and then just flushed away, like waste down a, um, like waste into like a sewage processing plant or industrial waste just being pumped out into some reservoir somewhere. You know, it's like they exist for a minute and then they're just, boom, they're in the landfill. To me, that seems a little tragic. Like, most of those games will probably never be played, even by its, their creators. And yet, here we go again. We're cranking up the big machine to run, and it's going to produce another 95 games, plus a few dozen games in Portuguese, French, Italian, and Russian this time around. Oh, yeah. But and all of them will never be played. Well, not all. And out of all those games, six will ever be played, and one will be completed, and the rest will just go straight into the digital trash heap. <laughs> I wish, um, I don't know, that they had like gameplay chef. A gameplay chef. That would that would be a good idea. Or just some kind of competition about playing games. Yeah. Like, hey, take an unplayed game and play it and, ret- and record your play test. And then dudes will come in and vote on the best interpretation of the unplayed game or something. Oh, yeah. See, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, if it has to be a stupid contest. Right. And I'm not even talking about my own games at this point, because I have the pleasure of knowing that every game that I've designed that I wanted to play, I got to play, because I played it. You know, and I played it with you, and I played, and some of them I played with Alex, and I've played it with our group, or wherever, with random people. Or I've not, or even like Six Page Manual, I know a few random, just random people have played it, and that's cool. But it seems tragic that there are so many games out there that won't even be played by some dude in his living room with his friends, you know? Won't even be played by the designer. And instead, the community just ramps up to produce more material. Yeah, see, that is kind of frustrating. It's weird because we, uh, I don't know, because it's such a progressive community in some ways, but yet, like, everything about the way games are designed or, like, epitomizes the most ruthless and wasteful parts of capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) 
and most of the dudes making it are probably socialists or or anarcho socialists or you know whatever um, communalists or collectivists or I don't know or live in some kind of like kibbutz or something (laughs) and yet it's just produce and discard produce and discard and even with all of the like even though I said that the Game Chef 2012 crop of games was kind of lousy I still would have played most of them if I was given the opportunity like if I had an infinite life and I knew I could waste it doing, like, I knew I was going to live forever and I could do whatever I wanted. And, like, it wouldn't cost me precious moments <laughs> to play all of those games. I would have played all of them. And I know there are people out there for whom each, I, I know that for every one of those games, there's someone out there who would have loved to play that game. And yet it never happens. Yeah. Never happens. People go back into their routine of playing some game they don't even enjoy that they're going to bitch about later. They go home and they they play Pathfinder because that's what their friends are playing. God knows I've done it. And then they spend the next two hours after the game bitching about Pathfinder. (laughs) When some poor dude probably created some awesome game that they'd love to be playing. They're just never going to play it because they'll never have the impetus to play it. Anywho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <sighs> oh. <sighs> Disgust. Boy, by the end of every podcast, you can just hear Alex Wingle's disgust. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love your cycle of enthusiasm, Swingle. Like, it's always at the beginning of the day, it's always like, dudes, we haven't recorded a podcast. Dudes, let's record a podcast. And by the time the podcast is over, it's like, Jesus Christ, shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, no, what it really is, is, um, it's dudes, let's make a podcast. And then the effects of not recording or talking into in a, a professional mode, because you do have a professional mode when you're, you know, trying to record a podcast. That's why you're so fucking anal about being in the, on the episodes, <laughs> you know, um, for said podcast. And, mm-hmm. uh, because of that, it's been five months, you forgot how you talk, and then you were relearning how you speak in professional podcast mode. And so when I say let's do a podcast, I mean let's do a podcast where it's like, hey, let's actually give a shit and, you know, (laughs) just for a second. And you were just meandering for like at least an hour and a half. And then it's like, oh, yeah, let's just bullshit without actually addressing the exit point. See, you always say this, too. You always say, we were just meandering. We were just meandering. And then you go back and listen to the podcast, and you realize I was saying things. Oh, no, no, no. That happens usually, but, like, like 40 (laughs) minutes out of that hour and a half was actual content. But it's going to be hard to piece it together when they lazily 
you know, went from point to point. So it's like, yeah, what, fi- what 15 I, minutes can I cut? They'll actually still have it make sense because there was that much, you know, meandering. Yeah, the transitions were bad this time around. I agree. That's what, that's all I was saying. Was that, I was like, oh, that, we're talking that was... about something else now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well. That, that's all that I was saying, a... you know. It, 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 I'm not saying, like, it was all terrible. I was just waiting for you to say... We're done. So that way I could go, all right, this is going to fucking suck. Now I have to edit the shit out of this thing. Okay, well, that was Mama's Basement <laughs> Actually, we always do this. Um, before we sign out, anyone have any final thoughts, final things to say? Nope. I would like to say, uh, you know, huge shout-out to Dan Maruschak, you know. Um. Our hearts are, you know, we pray for you, buddy. Uh, yeah, you're obviously going yep. through a difficult time right now. But we're always thinking of you, bro. If you ever need to vent, and obviously you do, you know where you can go. Just hit any one of us up. We'll give you a whole podcast to vent. Because, you know, Will and Rudy read your Google+, and they just look in amazement about how depressing you are. We're great admirers. I'm a connoisseur of depression. I just... (laughs) I just (laughs) take that human misery and I swish it around in my mouth and I just observe, like, the complex flavors. Of course, I spit it out again because you swallow too much of that shit. (laughs) You're going to get depressed yourself. But... I'm a, uh, I'm a human misery taster, and Dan's taste delicious. I mean, that's been, <laughs> that's been delicately aged. <laughs> well, that's been sit- that's been sitting in the same tight steel cask for <laughs> for forty years. <laughs> Without ever once being fully sampled. Okay, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right, bye-bye, guys. Yeah, but I would just like to open that cask. (laughs) But I would just love to open that cask up and get one full, like, one full glass of Chateau Maru's Jack and just, (laughs) just spend, like, an hour and a half savoring it. Okay. Well, anyway, tune in next time when we give uh, when we share our Game Chef top fives, and probably talk about Dan Maru's Jack some more. Uh, don't we have a way we usually end this? Like on Mom's the- basement, and then followed by like you know. Oh yeah. No, it's like a microphone being pulled out or something. Yeah. Well, like, no, we. Uh, I, I would. You would love it when I said your know, microphone out, but really. All I said was microphone out because I was tired of you guys talking one one of these times, and oh. every 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 other time you've wanted to have me do that again, but it's just like nah, we don't really need to. It's just goodbye, you know. Dude, we need a conclusion though. We need something that's like fuck it, we're done. Like Gary turning over the table, like fuck it, done.